Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, first of all, thank you very much to everyone who came along to my book launch for Hamlet is Not Okay. It was great to see you all and I hope you enjoyed the show. And um, I hope everyone who's bought it out there is enjoying reading it. Uh, It's had a great launch and so much support and I'm very grateful. Thank you. So now let's just get into this week's story. So we're still reading The Pesky Kids 5, The Final Mission, and we're now up to Chapter 20. Questions. Here we go. Loretta knew she didn't need to practice capture the potato. She had a natural talent for the game. So while the others were at the team training session, she was researching a personal project instead. She was looking for joy, the person, not the emotion. Loretta had very few leads. Considering that Joy served them food several times a week, they really knew so little about her. Loretta knew all about the other people in her life, her hairdresser, her manicurist, her horse groomer. She had long probing chats with these people all the time. Loretta enjoyed finding out details about people. Not for malicious reasons, she just found others fascinating. When you look closely, even the most apparently boring person was a complicated web of self-doubting contradiction. In fact, Loretta had long ago discovered that there was no such thing as boring people. To her, people who did boring things were actually even more fascinating. She loved uncovering the whys of human behaviour. So she was disappointed in herself for knowing so little about Joy. Really, Joy's whole miserable goth appearance was the perfect cover. It seemed to sum up her entire character instantly. There was no need to probe deeper. Of course Joy was depressed. She lived in Currawong and served high-fat, high-sodium food in a not-terribly-clean cafe. It made sense. There was no need to ask follow-up questions, which now made Loretta wonder. Perhaps Joy was a genius, and her clichéd appearance was a cover for a much more subtle and interesting life. Loretta was determined to find out. Since she knew nothing about Joy, she only had one place to start, the Good Times Café. Loretta reasoned that the chef would not be much help. He was surly and held a grudge against the peskies. She also knew that Bethany, the new waitress, was unhelpfully ignorant. But Loretta understood enough about the working of restaurants to know that all chefs thought very highly of themselves, and as such, no chef ever washed the dishes. The waitress obviously didn't do this either. When Joy hadn't been begrudgingly trudging out to take orders or deliver food, she'd always hunched on a stool behind the counter looking at her phone. Therefore, the Good Times Cafe had to have a third employee, someone Loretta had never seen. They had to have a dish pig. Loretta was not in any way a prejudiced person. She would never disparage the noble art of dishwashing. As the daughter of two top surgeons, she knew full well that the washing of dishes prevents a maelstrom of horrible diseases, many of which involve some sort of food poisoning. And food poisoning has exceptionally gross symptoms. 
She did not invent the term dish pig, but it was the term the kitchen staff used for the person whose job it is to do the dishes. For some reason, despite having a job where they spend all their time creating delicious food, restaurants have a culture of bullying. So, of course, they come up with a derogatory name for the person who is the least skilled and lowest paid among them. When Loretta snuck in the back door of the Good Times Cafe, she did so with the intention of meeting and getting to know the resident dish pig. Loretta pushed past the dust-clogged fly-screen door and made her way down a narrow corridor with white, grease-stained walls. When she stepped into the kitchen, she was shocked by what she saw. For a start, everything in the kitchen was about five times filthier than she had imagined. And she had never imagined that the Good Times Cafe had a particularly clean kitchen. But once her eyes took in the shocking mess of used utensils and discarded food scraps, she noticed an even more shocking sight. "'You!' exclaimed Loretta. The dish pig flinched, dropped the plate he was holding, and it shattered on the floor. He whirled around, not to see Loretta, but to grab his cane, because the dish pig was Tom, the only vision-impaired student at Currawong High School. "'Who's there?' demanded Tom. "'It's me, Loretta,' said Loretta. "'April's sister.' Tom frowned. April doesn't have a sister. She does now, said Loretta. I adopted myself into the family when my au pair became engaged to Mr Pesky. Of course, my au pair has run off since then, but she didn't take me with her, so I guess that makes me even more part of the family. I'm pretty sure that makes no sense, said Tom warily. I've never let a little thing like sense get in my way, said Loretta. Speaking of things that aren't sensible, why on earth are you here doing the dishes? Tom bristled. What, don't you think vision-impaired people can hold down jobs? Well, no, I hadn't thought that, said Loretta. There have been lots of fabulously successful vision-impaired people. Ray Charles, Edgar Degas, Homer. But none of them had jobs that required them to see. I can do the dishes without seeing them, said Tom. Loretta looked across at the pile of clean washing Tom had stacked on the draining board. There were clumps of food and stains on most of them. Hmm, said Loretta. She didn't want to be hurtful, especially not when she was about to pump Tom for information. Let's not dwell on that. I expect you're wondering why I'm here. No, I was wondering when you'd go and leave me alone, said Tom. He may have been vision impaired, but he was not a shy or a tiring boy. Perfect, said Loretta. I'll go when you answer a few questions. Tell me, how well did you know Joy? Who? asked Tom. Joy, the waitress, said Loretta. The one who worked here for three years. She was always glum and dour. Oh, you mean Jacinta, said Tom. What, said Loretta? It said Joy on her name tag, explained Tom, but her real name was Jacinta. Why on earth did she use a fake name on her name tag, asked Loretta. She didn't like it when people she didn't know called her by her name, said Tom. She felt if she had a fake name at work, she could separate her work self from her real self. Wow, said Loretta. That's surprisingly impressive. But Jacinta wasn't glum or dour, said Tom. She was a bit quiet, but she was always nice to me. She didn't look that way, said Loretta. Tom shrugged. I can't see how people look. Do you know where she lives, asked Loretta. No, said Tom. I never ask stuff like that. It doesn't mean much to me. I don't have a lot of spatial awareness of geography. Tom turned back to the sink and picked up his next dish. I'd better get back to work. I've got this lot to get through. Loretta looked at the bench. There were only three dirty plates there. Tom obviously had no idea how little he had left to do, but she decided it would not be polite to point that out. That's okay, we can chat while you wash. 
Loretta silently picked up a couple of plates from the draining board and put them on the bench to give Tom more to do. He was more likely to say something if he was distracted by work. Did you know anything else about her? Why do you want to know? asked Tom. I'm worried, said Loretta. She disappeared so suddenly. I just want to make sure she's safe. Tom shook his head. I don't really know anything. She was quiet. We just talked about work. Here's some more dishes. Don't eat the meatloaf. He gave a customer food poisoning. That sort of thing. Really? I always thought you were more observant, said Loretta. She knew the power of a good complisult, a compliment that's really an insult. So you don't know anything about her at all? Did she have another job? Did she have a boyfriend? Did she have any hobbies? Birds, said Tom. What, asked Loretta? She liked birds, said Tom. Loretta was still dumbfounded by this revelation. Birds? She was a twitter, said Tom. You know, a bird watcher. She liked watching birds in the wild. That's why she lives in a treehouse in the forest. She lives in a treehouse in the forest, exclaimed Loretta. Yes, said Tom. She built it herself so she could wake up in the morning and watch the birds. But you told me you don't know where she lives, said Loretta. That's right. I know she lives in a treehouse, but I don't know where the treehouse is, said Tom. Okay, said Loretta. I had expected Joy to have hidden depths, but I hadn't expected a treehouse. And you definitely don't know the location of this tree. No, no spatial awareness, remember, said Tom. No other bombshell insights into her personal life or habits, asked Loretta. I don't think so, said Tom. Aside from knowing that she used a fake name and lives in a tree, you don't know anything, said Loretta. Pretty much, said Tom, re-cleaning a dish he'd done before, which wasn't a bad thing as he hadn't done it very well the first time. I can see why April finds you so infuriating and yet irresistible at the same time, said Loretta. What, said Tom, dropping another plate. Oh, nothing, said Loretta. She smiled her most dazzling smile, which was, of course, wasted on Tom, and left. Chapter 21. Finn has a problem. April Pesky will be easy to beat, said Matilda, so there's no point wasting energy worrying about it. April was crouched in the bushes outside the science window, tying up pumpkin before class. She hadn't meant to hide from anyone. That wasn't her style. But here she was, hidden from view, as Matilda and her friends walked into class, talking about the potato pageant. Who's going to vote for her, said Matilda. No one in town. She's yelled at everyone, and her dog has bitten everyone. And she's ugly, said Daphne. The girl sniggered. Plus, she has to have a float built by Saturday, said Matilda. She can't even iron her school uniform, so there's no way she'll be able to transform a vehicle into a beautiful work of art in such a short time. I bet she hasn't even started. I bet she doesn't even know how to make a toilet paper rosette, agreed Daphne. There's a lot of things April Pesky doesn't know, said Matilda, like how to brush her hair. All the girls in the class laughed out loud. April had heard enough. She stood up, her head appearing in the window. How dare you, she denounced. Several girls screamed at her sudden appearance. Pumpkin barked. He loved it when April started using her angry voice. How dare you hide and listen in, accused Matilda. Although she had gone red in the face, so she obviously felt some level of guilt. I was crouched in the bushes first. I'm under no obligation to be visible at all times, declared April. You should apologise to me for invading my space with your spiteful gossip. It wasn't spiteful gossip, said Daphne. It was just true facts. Facts are always how spiteful people try to pass off malicious gossip, accused April. At this moment, Finn entered the classroom and saw his sister standing outside the window, yelling at Matilda and her friends. What's going on? he asked. 
He didn't want to know, but he probably should find out so he could decide whether to make a run for it or not. The girls all ignored him. Matilda and her friends kept facing off with April. Fine, so tell us, how is your float coming along? asked Matilda, smiling but still managing to look nasty at the same time. Is it potato princess worthy? April glowered. I've been working on mine all year, said Daphne. Daddy paid to get special toilet paper shipped up from the city. It's pink. How does pink toilet paper represent potatoes? asked April. Last time I checked, potatoes were brown. You'd be better off decorating it with used toilet paper. Everyone gasped. You're disgusting, accused Matilda. I bet she hasn't given a float a moment's thought, said Daphne. Matilda eyed April shrewdly. I bet she didn't even realise she had to make one. April was silent, which was an admission in itself. Matilda turned smug. That's the problem with you being an outsider. You never understand what's really going on. Yes, she does, said Finn. She put me in charge. The girls turned. They usually ignored Finn because he was short and weird-looking. A princess should make her own float, said Matilda. No, said Finn. A princess is a leader. She should know how to delegate. April delegated to me. Yeah, said April, as she clambered in through the window. She had no idea what Finn was up to, but she was happy to play along if it upset Matilda. But she hates you, said Daphne. No, she doesn't, said Finn. Yeah, I don't, said April, which was actually truthful. But you abuse him all the time, said Matilda. I saw you put him in a headlock yesterday, said Daphne. We're a close-knit family, said April. We believe in constant, open communication. Even if it hurts, agreed Finn. And studies have shown that roughhousing is an important part of a child's emotional development, added April. So when I'm wrestling with Finn, it's for his own good. It's to build his confidence and self-esteem. Finn glanced at April. Is that true? Yes, said April. You're welcome. Whatever, said Matilda, using the most cowardly general-purpose conclusion to any argument. She and her friends turned away. April and Finn made their way to their seats at the back of the class. What's this about you building me a float? whispered April. What even is a float? It's a decorated vehicle that you ride on in a parade, explained Finn. And you've been building me one, asked April. Well, no, admitted Finn. I just heard them slagging you off and it gave me an idea. Is it a good idea, asked April. It's going to be totally awesome, said Finn. He had a crazy gleam in his eyes as he said this. April had seen that gleam before, when Finn was constructing his amazing siege warfare replicas for the mud race. If Finn thought it was awesome, then it probably would be, in a terrifying way. That suited April just fine. Okay, you've got the job, said April. Finn wasn't even listening anymore. He was daydreaming about his design. And that's it. That's the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there for now. And until next week, goodbye.